morning. I'm Tommy Green. I'm associate pastor here at Center Point, and this is my lovely wife, Shelly Green. She's the worship leader here, and this morning we get the opportunity and the privilege to uh, fill in for John, our pastor, as he's on sabbatical. I uh, also want to remind you next week that uh, Rick Burgess from the Rick and Bubba Show will be here speaking, so I want to remind you of that as well. Um, 21 years ago, I met this beautiful woman sitting to my right, and uh, we were both living in a very small town, and she was leading worship at one church. I was a youth pastor and leading worship at another church. And, and so when we met, I thought, man, this is destiny. Unfortunately, she didn't feel the same way. Um, so, but one thing that we had in common is that we both loved to lead worship. So there was a place in our area called the Holy Highway Girls Home. It was a home for troubled teenage girls, and they needed someone to come and lead worship on Thursday night. So I thought, hmm... I will invite Shelly to come lead worship with me there. So we did. And that meant that on Tuesday nights that we would have to practice. And He was basically doing a date twice a week. You yeah, you just, didn't, you just didn't know yeah. it. So, you know, but eventually after a couple of months of doing that, Shelly came around and realized that I was really a great guy. And um, we've been leading worship and doing ministry for the last uh, 21 years together. And so um, today we get to talk about something that's very dear to our hearts, and that is worship. And that's something that we are both extremely passionate about. And so before we get started talking on that, we'd love to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to come and bless our time together. Will you pray with us? Father, we want to come before you. And Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word and see what your word has to say about worship. And Father, I pray as, as we take a look at that, that you would change us from the inside out that you would change the way that we think, that you would change the way we act, that you would make us more and more like you. I pray that you truly would move me and Shelly out of the way and that you would uh, speak to our hearts today. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if we're going to talk about worship, I think the first thing we need to do is define what worship is. And inside your outline, you're going to see a definition for worship, and it is to honor God with extravagant love, affection, and joyful obedience as a response to his goodness. Uh, the word that in the Bible that's most commonly used for worship is a, is a word called proskuneo. And it means to be like a dog that sits at its master's feet and licks his hand. And I know a lot long ago that Shelly and I, uh, Shelly finally gave in for us letting us get in a dog. And so we got a little miniature schnauzer. And can I tell you, that dog um, has a gift of licking he loves to lick. He okay? thinks it's a gift. He the does. dog thinks it's a gift. Yeah, yeah the dog thinks it's a yeah. gift. We don't think it's so much. No. But that dog loves to just be around us. And he gets hyper when he's around us because he's still a puppy. But he just loves to lick your hand and loves to try to lick your face. And you know, But the truth is that dog just wants to be around us. He just wants to please us. And that is a picture of what worship is. It's sitting at the master's feet just desiring to please him. And say, here we are, we love you, and we want to pour our affection and our love on you because we know that you have been good to us. Matter of fact, listen to what Titus 3.5 says. He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. God, because of his mercy, has washed away our sins, and he has given us a new life. God has been good to me. God's been good to you. Worship is a response to his goodness. It's saying, God, you've been good to us. And so we're going to tell you how good you are 
We're going to love you extravagantly. We're going to be affectionate towards you. And we're going to obey you with joy. And that's what worship is all about. Now, Shelly, you are the worship leader here in Prattville. So that means your responsibility is to help us love God more Mm -hmm. and learn to hear his voice and obey. That's a big responsibility. But, you know, not only is that your responsibility, you love music. We both love music. Why is worship and music associated together? Matter of fact, we even sometimes call it worship music. Why is that? Well, the Bible actually tells us to worship God through music. Um, In the all throughout the Bible, it talks about singing a new song to the Lord. There's a passage in the New Testament that says to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music to the Lord. And, but we have to remember that music itself is not worship. Hmm. It's the attitude and response of our heart when we sing that determines whether it's worship or not. Um, and music was designed by God to move the human heart and to actually allow us an expression, an avenue, if you will, um, to be able to express our heart to God. It's the reason that we sing um, our school songs. It's the reason we chant fight songs because it helps us with our allegiance. It's, it reinforces our allegiance. Our love songs that we sing, why do we sing those? Because we feel love towards the person um, that we're married to or that we're dating, and so we like, we like the way that makes us feel, and it, we like the way that we can express those things. It moves our heart. Well, songs to God helps us reinforce our faith and the truth about who he is and the truth about who we are as his children. Music gives us an avenue to actually pour out our affection on God. And it helps us love God more and helps us um, know him more. And the amazing thing about it, though, is that God is not an egotist. He's not prideful. He doesn't need us to worship him. But he responds to our worship because he's a good father. How many of you have ever sat in a service and people were singing at the top of their lungs or you're in your car and it feels like you're with a thousand other people and the radio is turned up and you are singing to God and you just sense this incredible peace, this incredible presence. Any, anybody ever felt that before? Yeah. It's because when we worship God, he responds to it. Yeah. I think the music actually allows us to express our love to God. I mean, it's like kind of a love song. I can tell you I love you, or I can write this amazing song that tells you I love you, and it's all of a sudden it moves our hearts. Not that you really want me to sing to you, but um, especially not here in front of all these people. No. But um, maybe later. But anyway, um, that's it's, it's what it does. It allows us to express our heart. And so today, that's really what we want to talk about: is what does it mean uh, to be a true worshiper, and why is being a true worshiper? important. Matter of fact, point A on your outline says three attributes of a true worshiper. I really, out beside that, I really like for you to write why being a true worshiper is important. That's really a better way to say what we're going to actually be talking about is why is it important to worship God on a regular basis? Well, point one, the first reason it's important is this. True worshipers become more and more like Jesus. Psalms 37, 4, which I love this scripture, says, delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart. Now, this scripture sometimes is taken out of context, and it says, you know, well, if you delight yourself in the Lord, the Lord will just give you anything that you want. That's really not what the meaning of this scripture is. It actually means that when you delight yourself, when you give yourselves to God, and you're just, He is your joy, He is your everything, and you delight in Him, He places His desires inside of your heart, and He gives you the desires of your heart. He changes your desires to become like his desires. You become more 
like Him, as you behold Him, as you actually worship Him. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. And we, all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. The Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him. God wants to make you more like Jesus every day. And this scripture says the way that we are made more like Jesus every day is by beholding Him, by putting our mind and our attention and our affections upon Him. When we do that, the Holy Spirit's job is to change you. Matter of fact, one of the philosophies I've always had in ministry, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I remember I'd go to these youth, past, youth pastors' conferences, and all these youth pastors would ask me, well, what's your, you know, what do you do? How are you getting your kids to, uh, you know, what program do you have for them? What's this? I said, here's my program. Here's my philosophy. Very simple. If I can get kids to fall in love with Jesus, Jesus will change them. Yeah. And that has been my philosophy in ministry ever since. If I can teach people to fall in love with Jesus and get close to Jesus and have a relationship with him, Jesus is the one who does the change. And my responsibility is to help lead them into a relationship with him. Because when you have a relationship with God, when you're close to him, he'll change you. Matter of fact, that's the note on your outline is that we become like those with whom we spend time with. All of us know this to be true. You can live in the South all your life and all of a sudden you can move up North and all of a sudden you don't have your Southern accent no more. It's gone. Because you start talking like the people that you're around. You start thinking like the people that you work with. Now, this is true in marriage as well. I know that you and I have been married now for 18 years, and we've become more and more like each other. Is that correct? Yeah. I used to be a honey mustard girl when it came to restaurants or whatever, and I'm starting the last few years to come more over into the ranch camp you know, dipping right, my broccoli in ranch and my chicken nuggets in ranch and uh, because this is what he has always loved and it's rubbing off on me. Um, when I met Tommy, he felt like the universal vegetable was potatoes and corn. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and so, all the guys are saying amen. That's right. With, with a helping of meat, you know, potatoes and corn, he's good. But since he's been married to me for the last 18 years, he is uh, learning to like things like carrots and zucchini and spinach and butter beans and... Yeah, but that's because I don't have a choice. <laughs> that could be true. That could be true, too. That could be true, too. And also, you know, your personality starts shifting and changing a little bit the more that you spend time around some people. Um, y'all know, I've talked about this before, I am very much a planner. Well, our last vacation, my husband came to me and he said, all right, you know, we're driving down there. He's like, let's talk about where are we going to eat, what are we going to do, how are we going to spend our time? And I nearly fainted right there in the car <laughs> because that is not like him. No, but I've is... been listening to our senior pastor, John Smith, for a while, and he's been teaching us that the way you spell romance is P-L-A-N. That is true. Is that right? That is true. That's what he said. Um, and then also how we think changes. The more that we spend time around mm. people, our values change. Um, I cannot tell you the number of people who will come to me and they'll say, Shelly, can you give me some advice? I just want some input on this decision or whatever. And I'll give them that advice and they'll go, that's exactly what Tommy said. Or they'll go to him and they'll say, that's exactly what Shelly said. And it's because the more you spend time together, the more you begin to think like one another and you think about life the same way. And even our habits. Um, I've been a morning person my whole life, but I've been noticing when I get up super early, my husband, a lot of times, is in the chair having his quiet time. 
and his cup of tea or whatever it is that he's drinking, and it's just freaking me out, y'all, because he, we've never discussed anything important before 1030, our whole <laughs> marriage. But now he's starting to get up early, and he's changing because I guess my habits are rubbing off on him. Um, so, but the Word of God, you know, it's so true in our relationship with the Lord as well. And in Proverbs thirteen twenty, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. We become who we hang out with. Yeah. And if that's true, if it's in, in, the, in, in the natural world that we actually become like those that we hang out with, it's really the same in the spiritual world as well. If we'll hang out with God, if we will love Him, if we will worship Him, if we will put our minds and our affection on Him, we will become more and more like Him. You're, you'll start talking more like Him. You'll start thinking more like Him. You'll start loving more like Him. All because you're in His presence on a daily basis. And the more you do it, the more you become like Him. So that's one of the reasons why it's important to be a true worshiper of God. Here's another reason, is that true worshipers bear spiritual fruit. Bear spiritual fruit. John 15 says this, He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples this brings great glory to my Father. When we abide in Christ, when we stay there at His feet, when we are continually have Him in our thoughts, and we're continually telling Him how much we love Him, and we're continually listening for His voice, and we're continually obeying Him, guess what happens? We begin to produce spiritual fruit in our lives. Spiritual fruit in our lives. Listen to, um, here's a note on your outline is that true worship is turning your heart towards the Lord a thousand times a day. It's continually saying, okay, God, in every situation that I'm going through in this life, I'm going to bring you into that situation. Then I'm going to talk to you about it first. You know, if we're talking about spiritual fruit in our lives, you realize that all fruit is a product of intimacy with humans, with plants, everything. And the only way to be intimate is to be in close proximity to. And the more we're intimate with the Lord, the more we're close to Him, the more fruit that's produced in our lives. Is that true? It is true. <clears throat> and in Proverbs 3, 6, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. You know, we tend to think that it's the big decisions in life that determine the course of our lives. But I'm actually starting to believe that it's the small things that determine the course of our life. Um, I've talked to a lady recently who had lost um, about 60 pounds. And it was interesting to listen to her. It wasn't one great healthy meal that caused her to lose the weight. It wasn't that one day that she went to the gym and worked out really hard. She said it was every bite. It was bite by bite. It was every meal. It was every drink. Every small consideration, every activity that she decided to do that actually led to life change for her. And um, with God, you know, if we want to become closer to the Lord, if we want to have, if we want to bear spiritual fruit and be a true worshiper of God, it's not, I prayed one day or I go to church once a week. It is literally moment by moment, every internal motive. Um, you know, turning your heart towards God a thousand times a day looks like this. Someone comes up to you in the course of your day, you run into somebody and they say, 
man, I just, I, let me tell you about my new house. Let me tell you about my new car. Let me tell you about my new job. And let's just get raw and real for a second. We have a choice in that moment. And sometimes on the inside, we may be like, we're smiling on the outside, right? Because we're not going to be rude. Because hello, we are Southerners and Southern hospitality. So we're smiling on the outside. But on the inside, we might be like, well, God, when is it going to be my turn? Or, man, I wish that was me. I wish I had that. And that decision, so the next time we see something on Facebook, somebody else, and we have the same attitude. We see something on the news. We overhear a conversation. It opens a door to a pattern in our life. And if we continue down that pattern, pretty soon we are bitter, and we're terrible, and we don't even realize it. But if in that moment we turn our heart toward the Lord in that conversation, we say, I'm so happy for you. What an incredible blessing. That is awesome. Thank you for telling me about that. I'm, I'm just so excited for you and your family. And we genuinely mean it. And we begin to live that way. Um, it sets a course for us becoming more Christ-like. Even the little things at work, like if there's a success, you know, somebody comes into my office and they say, man, Shelly, great night of praise. I have a choice, you know, high fives all around. Or, Father, thank you. Thank you that there were testimonies. Thank you that you did this. Gratitude towards the Lord over something good that happened. Or help in trouble. Father, you know, my teenager just spouted off, and God, I need your help right now. Help me bite my tongue. Help me respond and not react. And those little things, it's those tiny decisions that actually set us up to be Christ-like. Yeah, so, I mean, really turning our hearts to the Lord a thousand times a day is really involving Him in every part of our lives. Every Acknowledging part. Him in Acknowledging all Him in our every, ways. every area. Yeah. The big, you know, a lot of us think, oh, I've got to pray about this big decision. Do I take this job? Do I go to this school? You know, do I marry this woman? <laughs> you know, the, we think that those are the things we need to pray about, but we think, we stop to think that, you know, God really wants us to pray about everything. He wants us to bring everything to him, you know. And when we do that, that's an intimate relationship with God. That's just like Shelly and I with the decision with our kids. There's times that I'll make a decision without... Oh, don't push me without off. Without pushing you over. Sorry, Sorry about that. This stool's like not stable. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry that could be that. that could be bad. Yeah. All right, we're good. Are you good enough? Yeah, we'll right. see. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> I've made decisions without consulting you with the kids, you know, mm-hmm. about something about the kids. Well, that's never really good. And it's the kind of same way with God. I need to involve God in every decision of my, of my life. If I've surrendered my whole mm-hmm. life to him, and I say, God, my life is yours. I lay it at your feet and I worship you. And we need to involve him in every decision. But, we, every all, thought. but we also can't freak out about trying to make it happen in our lives. Oh, I've got to be more loving. I've got to be more patient. I've got to be more gentle. I've got to be nicer. I've got to do all this. I've got to be more joyful. You know, we don't got to be anything. (laughs) When uh, the scripture in John 15 that says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Branches Mm -hmm. don't sit there and go, I've got to produce oranges. This is really hard. I've got to make this work. I've got to make this happen. The branch just stays connected. Fruit's a byproduct. And it's the same way in our, in our life, in our walk with God, we just have to stay connected to him. He does the work. He does the work. Our responsibility is to worship him. It's his responsibility to change us. Now, a lot of times we think it's just the opposite. We think, man, if I can finally just be, have more self-control, if I can finally get good enough, if I can finally love enough, then maybe I can worship God. And it's, the, it's totally the opposite. Worship God and he'll produce love, patience, kindness, joy in us. Matter of fact, listen to what Galatians 5, 22, 23 says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are just all the things that we, quote-unquote, strive for in our lives. And if I could just be good, this is what I would look like. Start worshiping God and see what happens. See if he begins to change you. He'll produce that type of fruit in your life. Now, God doesn't only want us to produce fruit in our lives. He wants to produce fruit through us. He wants us not to just bear spiritual fruit. He also wants to have us to have spiritual children. I love the story in Acts where Paul and Silas get in trouble uh, with authorities for preaching the gospel. And they get thrown in jail. And they're sitting there in jail. They're in a really tight spot. And listen to what happens. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights. And he ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. So Paul and Silas are in this really bad situation. And instead of grumbling and complaining and uh, just being frustrated about it, what do they do? They turn their hearts to God and they begin to tell God how good he is. And they begin to worship him. And all of a sudden, as they begin worshiping him, what happens? God does an amazing thing. The earthquake, prison, the chains fall off. And all of a sudden, the jailer is right there in front of them. And he asks this question, how can I be saved? And Paul and Silas bring him to the Lord, bring him into a relationship with God. And all of a sudden, spiritual fruit is produced in their life. Now, they could have said, you know, man... I mean, think about what if their attitude would have been, man, we're just complaining about this. Mm -hmm. We're just frustrated about this. Mm -hmm. But they didn't, did they? Mm -mm. They kept their heart before the Lord, and all of a sudden, spiritual children were produced. You know, the things that really matter in our life are the things that God produces in us and the things that God produces through us and in us. Those are eternal things that last forever. Yeah, but but we have to allow Him to do that. We can totally shut it down our responses and our motives on the inside and so we just need to approach life in every situation with a heart of surrender and just having our ears and our eyes open towards the lord uh point three says true worshipers joyfully obey god's commands john fourteen fifteen. if you love me obey my commandments yeah there's three things that we as as believers we know that god has commanded us to do every believer every worshiper every follower of God is commanded to do three things. First is Mark twelve thirty. It says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. All of us are called to be worshipers of God. That's one of the things that God says really pleases him. And he, he asks us all to do is to worship him. Here's another thing. John fifteen seventeen says, This is my command. Love each other. All of us are commanded to love each other. Matter of fact, Scripture says this, how can you love God whom you don't see if you can't love those who you can see? God has not only called us to love Him, He's called us to love each other. 
And the third thing that we know that God has commanded us to do is go and make disciples of all nations. We know that. It's a command for all of us, not just for those that are in full-time ministry or for missionaries. Those are for you and for you and for you and for you and for me. God has called us to pour our lives into those around us and teach them to be worshipers of God, to teach them how to love other people, to teach them how to make other disciples. That's what God's called us to do. You know, obeying God, here's a note on your outline, obeying God almost always involves our attitude and actions towards others. Almost always. When I read God's word and it says be kind to one another, when I read God's word and it says forgive one another, those are attitudes and actions towards other people that he is commanding me and asking of me to do. And when I love God because I understand it's love is a response to his love, that's no problem. He's forgiven me. He's had mercy on me. He's loved me. My response is to love him back and to love others. Now, Jill and I ran across this clip by Francis Chan. And um, he says it a little bit better than what I could say it. And so I really wanted you to watch uh, the screens and listen to him for just a moment. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. All right, most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. it, it Simon Says is, uh, you know, you just, Simon Says, pat your head, you know, so, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus Says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, 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 you study it, you memorize You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? But they memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey, Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. <laughs> my friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. <laughs> she knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said and talk about how much we know. It's just, it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I would start making disciples. Says, James 1, 22 says this. But don't, be, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And many times we know what God's called us to do, to worship him with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, love each other, and make disciples. True worshipers of God obey God joyfully. They do. Listen to point B. And the reason why it's important to be a true worshiper is that God is searching for true worshipers. 
True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship Him this way. For God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. True worshipers are those who worship God 24-7. They don't come on Sundays and they lift their hands and they worship God and they get their worship on and then they walk out and they don't think about God until the following Sunday. It's not a true worshiper. True worshipers are those who worship God all the time. True worshipers are those who are continually being made into the image of Christ day by day. True worshipers are those who produce spiritual fruit in their lives. True worshipers are those who joyfully obey God. That's what it means. And God is looking for those. Am I right? I love the, the scripture in Second Chronicles that says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully. Um, you know, God's values are completely different than the world's values. Completely different. And God values a life of devotion, a lifestyle of worship, and authenticity. You know, I tell our worship team all the time, when we come up on the stage, we don't need to do anything up here that we haven't done privately when no one's watching. Otherwise, it's a performance. Mm. It's not real. But yet, this is the way we, we work in life sometimes. We'll come in on Sunday, or we'll be uh, out with friends, and we'll say the Christian thing, but maybe that's not how we're really living on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. God's looking for authenticity. He's looking for the real deal, a lifestyle of devotion that's totally turning our hearts towards Him a thousand times a day. And a lifestyle of worship is one that acknowledges that everything is His. If I believe that you are his child, if I really believe that, it's going to totally impact the way I treat you. If I believe that um, everything I own is his, then how I use the money he's given me, the time he's given me, the talents and abilities he's given me, the possessions he's given me, changes everything. I become a lot less selfish and a lot more Christ-centered because I'm seeking Him first in all of those things. Y'all, I don't know about you, but when I stand before the Lord one day, I want Him to look at my life and say, well done. The breath, the, the length of time, that little breath stretch that you were on earth, well done. You gave your life to me. You, you were real. You didn't fake it. And that's, that's what I want Him to say. And, yeah. um, because in the end... That's what matters, is how did we love him and how did we love other people? Yeah, I think it's very important just to make a quick note. Just felt like the Lord wouldn't plan on saying this, but um, you don't have to be perfect to worship God. No. David wasn't a perfect man. He murdered someone, he had an affair with someone, but yet God still called him a man after his own heart because he kept turning his heart towards God. And God began to change him into the man that he wanted him to be. Mm. I'll go back to this statement. We need to worship God and let God change us. The enemy, the devil, does not want you to worship God. Matter of fact, I can prove it. How many of you have gone to do your devotion in the morning time or 
You've come to worship on a Sunday morning and everything in the world that could go wrong has gone wrong. Every distraction that could come your way comes your way. Has that ever happened to any of you? Yeah, most of us. Do you know why? Because the enemy knows if we worship God, it'll change you. Listen to our last life application. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Find a way each and every day to worship God. Find a way to worship God. Find a way to love Him. Find a way to love other people. Find a way to pour your life into someone. And doing it all for the glory of God. Will you pray with me? Father, we want to come before you. And Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, today I'm coming and I confess that, Lord, not every day am I a true worshiper. There are days that I forget to tell you thank you. There are days I forget to tell you that I love you. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me just gaze upon you, behold you, love you, listen to you, obey you? Father, that's just my response because, Lord, you loved me. You gave everything you had towards me. You took Jesus Christ, your only son, and you sent him to this earth. The thing that was most precious to you, you sent to this earth to be sacrificed so I could have a relationship with you. My only response is worship. My only response is worship. Help me to worship you every day, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.